All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Another episode of Gentleman's World. And I have a lot to talk about. I have a different topic than last episode, as I promised. First, let's get the preliminaries out of the way. Of course, you can find us at casualtalkradio.net if you are a long-term listener. That means the site change, if you didn't hear it on the previous episode, the site address is casualtalkradio.net. Part of what I want to talk about today involves a lot of the changes that are happening to Gentleman's World and things yet to come in the remainder of March as well as hopefully in April. And I want to just reiterate it because I know we have some new listeners. There's a number of different changes happening to the show none of which should affect your listening experience, but there are things I would like you to be aware of. First and foremost, there's brand changes. There's now CTR. You'll hear and see CTR throughout the totality of the show, any sites that we have. This is the brand. CTR is the parent. CTR by itself does not stand for anything. However, when you get into Gentleman's World, it refers to Casual Talk Radio. Casual Talk Radio is now the official name of the podcast show. A Gentleman's World is the name of the actual program. This allows us to then spin up new programs later down the way when we get to that point. But however you call it, your podcast application, whether you're using Podcast Guru or Podcast Addict or CastBox or iTunes, is likely going to still show Leicester Life, A Gentleman's World, and that's okay. At some point, those should change to reflect the new name, the new brand, just so you hear it from me straight. It is accurate that it's still Leicester Life in some of the applications, but it will be changing to reflect the new brand, CTR, which stands for, in this case, Casual Talk Radio, and our site is casualtalkradio.net. In the new site, it's going to give you a very, I think, very good synopsis of where we came from and where we're at and allow you to then share, and we encourage you to share the site address to anybody you think would benefit from our programming casualtalkradio.net, give them that address. They'll be able to see our different shows and the platforms that we're on, as well as an explanation of what we do. And they'll be able to jump in and get subscribed and listen to the great content that we are sharing and what we have on deck in the future. Anchor.fm, of course, is the host, and we will be introducing, this is the second update, we will be introducing some interstitial messaging for you That just kind of talks about Anchor.fm because they've been really good to us. We want to make sure we give them some acknowledgement. So you may hear that even on older episodes. That's going to be happening probably in the next couple of days, I would guess, because I want to make sure they get the due credit that they deserve for doing such a great job. Our listener counts are up. The number of listens are up. We're seeing older even episodes are getting more views and more listens. This is a great thing for the whole show because the more that I can get people on board listening to the content, the better it is for everybody because it means I can deliver greater quality to each and every one of you. And that's what I want to do. And remember, as it stands today and for the foreseeable future, I'm not charging for the podcast, the main podcast. You're getting these episodes at no charge straight out of the gate. There will be some subscription value add subscription things coming in the future. And there are ways that you can contribute and share and show appreciation for the show. None of these are mandatory because I feel that just having a conversation, it's not something I would want to charge for, but there are some value add things I want to contribute and provide to you. For those that are interested, those will be available at some point in the future. So the work that I'm doing on the website has dominated pretty much the entirety of my day for the past couple of days. 
but it's coming along very nicely. The main brand will have its own site, which it didn't have before. Everything was going to crypto talk radio. That has changed. Casual talk radio will be dedicated to a gentleman's world. Crypto talk radio will be dedicated to basic cryptonomics, which is a sister podcast. Combat talk radio will be dedicated to for the love of boxing, which is used to be a category under gentleman's world. It's now its own podcast. Each of these will have their own site. Each of these will have their own appearance, look and feel. And I'm very excited. I think you're going to be very pleased with what you see. And then the final thing that we're working on is with basic cryptonomics in the month of March, there are a number of brand changes happening there. I wrapped up the majority of those. The last step is to move it over to anchor.fm as well. So then you'll have gentlemen's world and basic cryptonomics, both on the same podcast platform anchor by Spotify. And I'm really excited about that because as I mentioned, Anchor has been very good for Gentleman's World in getting more exposure, more organic views, people stumbling across it that wouldn't have before. It's happy where it is, is basic cryptonomics. We've got a lot of traffic and it's worldwide, similar to Gentleman's World. It has arguably, I think, 100 times the number of listeners as Gentleman's World. However, I think I've hit a, a peak and I need to take it to the next level. And I believe that Anchor is going to help me get to that next level. So that's what I'm working on this week, specifically tomorrow morning. I'll be recording my next guest for Gentleman's World. That's a very interesting guest. She has some great stories to tell. And that one I think is going to be more similar, like just storytelling, just hearing from interesting people who have stories to tell. And I want to dig into her stories because I think there's some cross blend between her stories and mine. I want to dig into that a little bit, learn a lot about her. Her episode then, should she should that recording complete and wrap up tomorrow, her episode should then air on Monday next week. So if you're interested in the guests, I would do recommend, if you're already subscribed, keep an ear out for that episode to show up on Monday evening, probably, after I master it and process it. Uh, I think that's good. And then the next week, and I believe that's also Thursday, I believe, I have another guest I'll be recording And if that one goes, then that person that's a gentleman, he'll be on the following week after that, Monday. So we're looking good. You know, we've had a number of very fascinating guests so far, and we're now focusing on additional guests. I screened them on a regular basis. I had a couple people that expressed some interest and just weren't a fit, not because there was anything wrong or negative about them. Just I'm a very, I'm very picky about the the flow and the cadence and the, and the way that the guest experience works. Because I think that those listening are listening for something very specific. They're listening to learn. They're listening to be inspired. They're listening to be motivated. And sometimes you have people that have great information and a great background and they're great to listen to. They just don't necessarily flow in the way that I want the show to work. Doesn't mean that I wouldn't revisit them at some point in the future. Could be that they turn out to be an awesome guest if I were to revisit it or we had some extended conversations Just right now, I'm very picky about who I have on the show because in all candor, we did have a person who was scheduled to be on the show and we started recording with that person. And for whatever reason, that person apparently didn't listen to the way that we said that it would work. And so it didn't work out. And so we had to kind of go with a different approach and it was fine, but we don't want to repeat that again. We always, we do our best to try to tell people up front, this is the way the show works. This is, it's very unstructured. It's very laid back. We want it to be natural. We want the listener to feel like they stumbled across a conversation. They probably shouldn't be hearing, but they get to hear it. That's what we want. 
And so we never ask anything that the guest wouldn't know or shouldn't be able to answer. And the guest always has the opportunity to answer however they choose because it's a conversation. That said, we do have to make sure that it is, there's a lot of, there's a lot of expectation we have in conversation back and forth. We don't want the guest to be given a bullet list or a preset level of questions because it doesn't feel natural. We're not learning. We learn from every guest that we've talked to. We learn something. We take something. We're inspired. That's what we want is we want to be as inspired as hopefully you are. And we're learning just the same way as you. That then forces us to step up our game so that when we're coming back at them with questions, it truly is a two-way conversation and not just something where they knew in advance and they were able to prepare answers and come across overly robotic and we sound robotic. It just didn't work for us, brother. So that's kind of the messaging that we're doing with our guests and the reason why we currently have a very infrequent recording of guests because we are picky about it. At some point in the future, depending on all these changes that we're doing, necessarily we're going to be increasing the exposure of the show. That's going to increase the number of people interested in becoming guests. That's going to lend to more people coming on the show just because of saturation. There's a lot coming up and we're very excited about where we're going, but it's a lot to deal with. So that's the news for the internal podcast, casualtalkradio.net. A lot is happening. And then we're working very hot and heavy on CryptoTalkRadio.net to build it out now that it's its own thing, perfectly independent. The site design that we're doing, I think you're going to be very pleased. I do encourage you once it's done, I will tell you to take a look at it, flip through and learn more about the podcast, not just the main one, but also all the other shows that we have on deck. And as always, if you have any comments, questions, feedback, or suggestions, we'll have a form. You can submit the form and give us that. We love that. We appreciate any opportunity to get better at what we do. We're constantly our own critic, to be honest. (laughs) And you may have noticed even like logo changes and that kind of thing. We're always trying to improve and get better because we know we've got something here and we just got to be patient with it and give it the time that it needs in order to nurture and grow. Speaking of time to nurture and grow, I want to give everybody an update on where we are with the, the move that's planned. We are still mentally planning to get out of Nevada. Uh, We had some conversations now with the various entities that owe us money. One of them came back with an answer we didn't want to hear. And unfortunately, that was the entity that we were counting on would do it right this time. This makes us less confident that they're going to turn it around like they said they were going to. As a result, we're pretty much committed. We put a lot of stuff in storage. So pretty much the stuff that, the stuff that, let's say the most expensive things, not really most, but the majority of the most expensive things we put in storage in U-Box and shout out to U-Haul because they had the lowest rate. Uh, U-Box put it in storage, so that's there and it'll just wait so that when and if we're ready to get out of here, we can then just have it shipped to the place that we're going. It's a U-Box and pick up where we left off. That was our couch, which was a headache to get in here and a headache to get out of here. Uh, One of our TVs, which is kind of, it's not irreplaceable, but it's expensive to replace it. And then some various boxes, things that, you know, are like one of them is not really valuable, but it's just, I don't need it in the house. So I tossed it there and then a couple of paperwork boxes and that sort of stuff. The next round, once I get some finality on some of these other organizations and the second one came back and gave me what seems like good news. I'm waiting on them to give me the final check off that, yes, you're good to go. Don't worry about it. You're going to get the money that you're owed. That seems like it will basically take care of 
everything up through like May, which if it does, we're cool. I'm, I'm happy. That buys me time so I don't have to crunch it because I don't want to crunch the move. I know it'll happen, but I don't want to have to rush it because I've rushed it before and it's not fun. So depending on what they come back with, then that'll tell me what to do with the next final round of moving out. And that's that's easier now because all the hard stuff is gone. It's already in storage. Now it's just a matter of my the computer I'm recording this on, for example, and some of my electronics equipment, pretty much like my desk or office lighting, that kind of stuff. And then I've got a couple of bits and bulbs, as they say, uh, kitchen equipment and that kind of stuff. And then the bed. And then I'm pretty much done. So I'm excited in I'm not as ill prepared as I was when I left California to go to Washington. Certainly not as ill prepared as I was when I went from Colorado to Oregon. I think it's in a much better place now for when this happens, not if, when. And I'm no longer concerned from a timing because I got at least some responses back. I at least know where I stand partially. I at least know it's in the works. We're just still waiting on a decision. So that's that's on my mind. And as a result, I'm putting in 20 hour days because I have to work on the podcast stuff, uh, not just recording, but just the site design and the branding and everything else. Then it's do I need to move? And if I do, where do I go? I'm pretty settled mentally on where I think I'm going to have to go just because of the way that they are out there. So then it's I've had some conversations with some of the state entities to just see how that would work and kind of get a sense lay of the land. And I wish I could take a trip out there and just kind of get acclimated. I've been out there before, but I was very young. So I'm it's a different world. Right. Then where we come from. That's a TV show. I have to think about does it make sense to do that or does it make sense to just kind of, you know, kind of go in blind. The only reason I'm hesitant to go in blind. I did that when I went from I did that when I went from Washington to Colorado. I actually did that it when I went to Washington. I went in blind and then I went to Colorado, I went in blind and then I went to Oregon, I went in blind. Nevada I went in blind. I'd already been to Nevada but not where I am in Nevada. So I've every time I've relocated, I've gone in blind, mostly because I can't justify spending thousands of dollars just to preview a place. At least in Washington, when I went there, I was given an allocation of money to that didn't go directly to me. It was paid, basically compensated for me to kind of get the lay of the land and see what it was about. The challenge I faced going there is that the cost of living is a joke. And so I had to, it was like, it is what it is. But when I went to Nevada, I, at the time anyway, that, you know, I didn't care about cost of living. I was making easily twice what I was making when I went to Washington. So I didn't care as much when I went to Oregon, cost of living was actually lower the, but I still should have scouted it. I think better than I did. And I'm trying to debate whether or not it makes sense. I just, it's hard for me to justify spending money out of pocket just to preview a thing. And then turns out, okay, yeah, I'm going to go. And now I've got less money to actually do the move. So I, right now I'm narrowed down to, let's say, five places that I think would be acceptable. And then I've got to decide which of those places make sense. And each one has pros and cons because I have to consider as a consultant, as I am, which one's going to have the opportunities where they're not going to play games and we're going to get focused on the work. And that's hard. That's the hardest one. And because that's part of today's conversation is me and my consulting and dealing with these interactions with these businesses, but also it applies to employees too. 
And I'll get to that in a second. But it's first, I need to find a place that allows me to be a consultant as a consultant, truly independent, allows me to control my game because that's what a consultant should do. Number one, two, cost of living has to make sense. I'm not supporting a place where you basically have to have half a million dollars to buy a house. I just don't agree with it because I don't think there's any logical reason for it. I understand, you know, why it got to that point. It's basically population growth, but I think that states aren't doing a good enough job to help control the cost of homes. When you have homes that are way overpriced, they tell you, well, just get a condo. The condo is nothing more than an apartment. And so you're now paying 200,000, 300,000, 400,000 for what's basically an apartment, people stomping upstairs and loud dogs and loud music and loud kids. And you're paying for noise pollution and there's nothing to protect you because you're sharing a wall. So I'm, I'm very anti-condominium. I do not support it. Townhomes are a little bit better, but townhomes tend to be built like garbage. So that's kind of out of the whack. Cottages are not a thing. So those that are coming from overseas that are listening to the show, you might be familiar with cottages. The idea that you have a building and it's dedicated to you, but it's in close proximity, right, to your neighbor, but you're dedicated to it. It's not like you're sharing walls. So the cottage concept kind of went away in the United States. I think there's some places back east that still have it. But for the most part, we don't really have cottages like like we might see overseas. They always want you to share walls because they're trying to maximize the use of the land. And you might think, okay, well, that's kind of crazy because there's a lot of open space. If you were to look on Google Earth right now, there's a lot of open space. And this is true. A lot of it is reserved. Like we might have some nature preserves or we might have some sort of a desert or we might have some sort of a forest or a rainforest or somehow we have land that we have said this is no touch. In the olden days, we're talking like the 40s and prior, there were land allocations and people might have gotten like 30 acres of land. And some of this was given because of Native Americans and how they were treated. Some of this was given to Cherokee freedmen, which is around slavery. Some of this was earned by slaves, like they earned enough money to be able to buy it. All these different aspects to be able to get enough land. And then they would spin up farms or they would build up you know, small towns or whatever it is that they would do. Well, those days are long gone. Now, you're not really able to easily do that unless you were either born into wealth or you managed to invest properly. Now, I had a situation in the past, this is 2019, where I had enough money where I could have easily bought a house. I chose not to because I chose to move closer to the client. That was a mistake. I'll admit it was a mistake, but I couldn't have known it was a mistake at the time. I didn't expect that the client would start playing the games that they did. This takes me into today's story for you. As a consultant, under the black letter of the law, I should mind, under the black letter of the law, as a consultant, I should call the shots on how you interact with me and how you get my skills to do your work. The best analogy I can give you is if you had a leak in your home, you're going to look either in your Yellow Pages book or online or somehow or reference to find a plumber. And the plumber is going to ideally come in. They're going to take a look at the damage or the problem. They're going to give you a quote for their labor, for the parts, time. And they'll say, here it is. What do you think? And you're going to say, yep, I can justify that. And the leak's urgent enough for me to go ahead and pay you. Or let me go and shop you out and you'll compare their price against somebody else. 
under no circumstances are you going to tell that plumber, well, you need to use that uh, 25 inch wrench over there because that the, the, you're not going to tell the plumber what tools they're going to use. You're not going to tell the plumber how to do their job because it doesn't make sense. It's, it's almost ludicrous to think about it. But that's what in my line of business, a lot of these companies try to do is to tell me how to do the work, what tools to use. And that's not the way it's supposed to work in consulting. It's supposed to be. I'll tell you how I'll solve your problem after I see the problem and after you pay me. Many companies have been conditioned because of my peers in the industry to simply tell them and dictate to them and you're going to do this and you're going to sit in this HR unconscious bias training even though you're not an employee and you're going to stick something in your arm just because and you're going to take your shoes off just because like all these crazy rules that you would never apply to your plumber, your landscaper, or the window guy, or your car wash person. You would never do that because it doesn't make any sense. Although it's the same thing. We are our own business and we are working business to business to solve your problem. We don't work for you. We work for the problem. So when, when 2019 was coming to an end, I was in a good position. I had a client who understood this at least partially. Then they started changing and they started introducing things that I was not going to support. I got a second client. They were a lot more flexible. We still had a couple of challenges, but nowhere near what the first was doing. As the pandemic goes, I'm having to terminate the first client because they're playing these games. Now I'm in a kind of a crossroads. I have to decide, do I want to continue doing the consulting I was doing or do I want to go full throttle with the podcast or do I want to do something different? I have to decide that I haven't committed to anything yet because if I'm going to continue consulting for any reason, I need to make sure I call the shots on what I do and how I do it. If I'm going to work for somebody else, they can call the shots on how I do it. They can even say what I do, but there's certain things I'm not going to agree to because I don't think it's their job to force certain things. So that's a decision. Or do I go full throttle podcast? I'd love to go full throttle podcast, to be frank, because I like having the conversations. I like sharing the information. I like talking to the guests. The challenge is that the podcast in its form, and it's only been up for just shy of six months now, in its current form, it'll take a little bit of time before I'm at a point of making enough income to where it can be the full time. Once it gets to that point, I would love to go full throttle because I think my age is at that point where it just makes sense to stop the rat race, as they say. I'm not there yet. So in the interim, I have to find a state that is going to, number one, embrace my business and my culture and what I do and my methodology, and hopefully they share it and they've got laws that prevent the businesses from doing the things that I don't support. That way I don't have to fight it. It's just part of the rules of the state. Then we can focus our conversation on their problem. So that's my search. That's what I've been active. That's why I spend so much time because it's hard to find this in the past. You didn't need to in the past. It was a given that you as a consultant or a contractor, you have certain parameters that you can control and somebody's not going to tell you how to do your job today. We're unfortunately dealing with and struggling with a situation where these businesses are trying to dictate that and I'm not going to support it. So in summary, This is what consumes my time is trying to find a place that is more in concert with my culture and my beliefs and everything that I need and want to do for my life, however long it lasts to 
managing the podcast, getting the site to where it is, because I know that as it grows, I'm going to need to have these things and I'm getting ahead of the game. That should position me then to be able to go full throttle into it at some point in the future. There's also cryptocurrency. It, I wouldn't say it's at the point of a full-time job, but there's a lot of research. There's a lot of management of assets. I have to look at the laws and I look at the news. I have to watch all this stuff because it affects me, right? It affects my finances. I have to keep tabs on that. Taxes, I have to watch on that. So there's a lot of different things all baked into this to make sure that I'm ready for when I do eventually, as I want to, get full throttle into the podcast group and just go with it and enjoy life at that point, that's where I want to be because I realize I'm kind of mentally done with the rat race. And that doesn't mean that my skills aren't there for people to use it. It means that they're going to have to compete for those skills. I'm no longer going to put them out there and I'm no longer going to sacrifice for them to be used. I need businesses to compete. My peers are making that hard because my peers are just kind of giving it away and they're giving it themselves and they're, they're allowing themselves to be treated as a commodity. And we should not be allowing ourselves to be treated as a commodity. I think it's the wrong answer and the wrong solution. So let's speak about commodity. I want to just put this out as just a side note. There are various articles. If you're on LinkedIn, you probably have seen it. If you're doing searches, you probably have seen it. For those that are coming from international shores, understand that in the United States, at some point in the past, I'm going to put it somewhere in the 90s-ish, at some point in the past, there came to be this mad rush towards bachelor's degrees. And even master's degrees now is starting to take a thing. And as a result, a lot of people are getting blockaded from work. I talked about the, the ATS and all the age discriminatory things that are put in place to prevent you from getting in there. The bachelor's degree is one of those things because it is not true that the majority of people have the bachelor's degree. It's actually more true that the minority, as far as less people, have a bachelor's degree. There are more people that have a high school diploma than have any sort of college education. The reason is simple. For bachelor's degrees, in most cases, you're talking five figures of cost. Usually 15,000 could be up to six figures, up to 200 some odd thousand in some cases or some careers. Many And then it's four years. It's four years of your life you won't get back. People that are older might go back to college if only to check it off a bucket list or because the company is requiring them to do it. But the truth is, with all the employers now adding it, and you might have heard that, oh, Amazon and Google and Microsoft don't require it. This isn't true. To say you don't require it means you shouldn't even list it on your job description. However, every single one of them will list it. And then in small text, they'll say, or equivalent experience, they're still requiring the degree because they will dis they will discriminate against you if you don't have it. That's requiring it. To say or equivalent experience, you're not really considering the experience because you're biased towards what's on the degree. When I look at this as a consultant now, the consultancy should be around how much, how much have you been doing this? You're not asking your plumber, I keep going back to it. You're not asking your plumber what college that guy or lady went to. It doesn't matter. How many years have you been doing plumbing? How many customers have you worked plumbing for? Do you have any references? That's all that really matters. And then you, they have a quote and their quote might be lower because they recognize they've only been doing it five years versus 20 years. And then you negotiate and say, let's get the price down or let's cut out some part or can we do cheaper parts? You negotiate. 
in the business realm, they're less likely to do this. They're coming in assuming because they're at that level that you would have to have been school educated in order to be the best. The truth is, and they'll also acknowledge people that go to college straight out of high school and then have no work experience, they also can't get the job because they don't have the work experience. They don't know what it's like to work in an actual office. So because you have this paradigm of, I don't want somebody fresh out of college, but I also don't want somebody who doesn't have a degree. That means the employers and the people that I would consult with are assuming a very linear flow that you went straight from high school and you went straight to college and then you did an internship and you interned for two years. And then after you get out, you got some work experience and then maybe somebody else hired you out of the goodness of their heart so that I don't have to take that risk first. It's all about risk avoidance. Okay. The problem is that what you're then doing vast across the country is you're spiking homelessness. You're spiking, you're actually depressing rather salaries. People's salaries are lower because people can no longer compete. The people who are at the top who come in and they have the master's degrees and they get hired, they'll accept a job that's like $70,000 a year. That master's degree to get to that point, you would have had to go into the bachelor's. You probably went through an associate's. Then you go through the master's program. Then you go through all sorts of internships and stuff along the way and dissertations and all this. You probably spent over $100,000 total to get to that point of a master's, but you're taking a salary that doesn't give you an ROI. And they do it because the employers and the businesses force it and they feel desperate and have to do something to get into the work, to get the experience, to get to the job they really want. So then what happens? This person who took that job for low pay is going to eventually quit that job and go somewhere else. They're going to go where they're really paid what they want. They just do something to get their foot in the door. Now this company that hired that person at a quote discount, now they got to fill this role and they're going to look for the same kind of person that just left that chair. Problem is that person left with a lot of experience. So if you have this back and forth where the company is constantly trying to fill that chair with the same person who just left it, and you have this knowledge and skill and experience walking out the door, going to another company. Meanwhile, you got all these people that were fresh out of college and fresh out of the gate and ready to go. They're ready to start working. They just need a mentor, somebody to hold their hand and tell them how you want stuff done. And they're really good listeners and they're willing to jump right in and they can't get an opportunity. Why? Because there's this bias around experience and education. You might see articles that tell you, well, they're not covered about college degrees. It's a lie. They are requiring it more and more. The difference is they're just saying Oracle and experience, and then they just won't respond to you. You'll reach out. You'll try to book an interview. They won't respond to you. Or let's say that you do get an interview and you might go through five interviews because they all like to waste time on interviews only to be told that, well, we chose somebody else. Well, then you got to question, why are we doing the interview process? Because you already knew going in, this person wasn't who you wanted. The reason you go through the formality is because you, you're told by your HR, you got to give everybody a fair chance. This then ties back to equal opportunity employment. This ties back to ADA. It ties back to all the laws that are designed to protect people so that they do get a fair chance when they're applying for a job. But as I said on the last episode, the government enables age discrimination. It enables a lot of discrimination. The only solution to this then is we should be requiring the company to validate, quantify, and prove why that job requires that degree. And that's what they'll never do. But if you were to do that, 
none of them could ever back it up. You could never back it up because if you have somebody who has hands-on experience for 20 years, that person's always, 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 always going to be able to do a job better than somebody who's just book taught because there's the other nuances that aren't taught in college. Soft skills, the ability to present, the ability to do write-ups and the ability to do PowerPoints and presentations and stand in front of a boardroom and talk to executives, the ability to manage and host meetings, the ability to manage projects. I'm talking truly managed projects, the ability to work with users and collect business requirements, the need to do desktop support and why it matters and why all these different tools are necessary. These are things you will never learn in any college. They know that. They know that it takes hands-on. They're not willing to be the first to do it. They're not willing to invest in that. As a result, they're constantly wringing their hair because they can't find the person that meets that perfect, but they won't let it go. So people like myself, peers of mine, come in and they're willing to give away the pony. They'll go the lowest rate possible. They'll give away the pony, violate my rights all you care to, violate my privacy all you care to, laws be damned, that's what they do. And then when I come along saying, no, this is the way it's supposed to be, I get the resistance. I'm not willing to give of myself. I'm, I'll negotiate rate all you care to. I will not negotiate on principles, morals, ethics, culture. I will not because there's no reason to. There's no reason for me to give of myself. Doing so means I'm compromising myself and I will never compromise myself for the sake of the dollar. Not when I don't really have to. That doesn't say I'm super rich, wealthy. It says that if I were to lose myself in that spin cycle that is the trying to find the consulting work or full-time work or any work, if I'm pushing myself that direction of just giving and giving and giving, which I've been in the past, what ends up happening? Now you're creating your own dependencies. Creating your own dependencies starts to harm you physically, emotionally, mentally. And the need to slow down is important. Slowing down means you have to take back control and take back power from those trying to take it away from you. I'll leave it with a story. I had a conversation the other day about with uh, one of the states, actually. And the conversation was around the different opportunities that he was seeing that, hey, they need the help and we got to figure out how to get you in front of them and see if we can get them to buy into what you're talking about because I agree with you. It's just getting them to understand it. And what I said is I'm negotiable on every single thing, every single thing but one, but one. And that is no company ever. And this is full-time or consulting, by the way. I don't care. No company will ever force me to do something beyond my will. You can try to convince me. You can try to not bribe, but you can pay me you know, and if we can talk about what number it'll take, like you can negotiate with me and get me to agree by way of you giving of yourself. You will not force me to do something against my will. I will not do it. That's, that's broad. But the point is, I'm not going to be required to do something. I'm not going to be threatened over something. I'm not going to be forced or coerced to do a thing against my will. And he was wanting to understand a little bit more. And there's a specific something I'm referring to, but he wanted to understand a little bit more. Here's the truth. There are people that look like me and they will understand when I say this. We have ancestors who went through decades being forced to do things against their will. And it took a long time and a lot of people to finally somewhat break that to get it to where there was a little bit more freedom. 
Now we're pushing back in this direction of trying to force people to do things against their will. I'm sorry, but if we're going to call ourselves the United States of America, the home of the free, I'm sorry. I will not support being forced to do something against my will. I don't care what it is. It's, it's about forcing to do something. If I have a president in office who sucks at convincing, who sucks at being able to persuade, and he just has to force it because he sucks at persuasion, you're not going to get my respect and I'm not going to support what you're trying to do because I recognize what you're trying to do. It's the same thing that our ancestors went through where they went through a situation where nobody could make any sense of what they were doing. So they just decided to force a group of people that you will not sit at that bar, force them that you will not sit at that, drink at that water fountain, force them that you will not go into that bathroom, force them to sit in the back of the bus, force them to sit in the back of the stadium when Ray Charles was going in there. They were forcing the issue because they had no argument. They had no justification, no case, no right really to do it. So no, I don't support when you're trying to force me to do something against my will just because you suck at persuasion. And as a result, I, I will tell any, it doesn't matter, consulting full time. You will not force me to do something against my will. Your job is to figure out how to persuade me to agree with you. And guess what? That may mean you come out of pocket. Long as we agree on what it is and the price, and I'll tell you what my price is to make that work, I'm happy to work with you. That's anything. It doesn't matter what it is. So he understood that. And he said, you know, I'm going to try to find some people that are willing to just hear your message because I understand what you're saying. And you are definitely different than anybody they've ever met. And you're trying to get them to that next level. And you realize all the stuff we're wasting time on isn't going to move the needle. Correct. Because we're wasting time on minutia. This, the business we do right now, which people outside of the United States are probably shaking their head about, but in the United States, this narrative that somebody has to go and fill out an applicant tracking system online, spend 30 minutes duplicating what's on your resume, only to hope that you get a contact back. You finally get a contact back. If you do, the contact wants you to go through sometimes one, sometimes 10 different interviews to justify and answer the same questions. Well, why are you looking for a new something and the same old boring questions that they don't care about you at all only to get to the point where you may or may not get an offer. You may or may not hear back. If you do hear back, they may have not budgeted the position and it falls out. Or if you do and they offer you a position, they'll put a bunch of conditions of things they're trying to force you to do. As a condition of this, you have to do this, you have to do this. It's a rat race. And I said at some point in the past, I'm not going to do the rat race anymore because it's a waste of time. We're not focusing on the work and that's what I focus on. The work, the value giving back to different companies. I'll put this out because there may be minority owned businesses out there listening. And at some point in the future, they may be listening and I'll put it out there. If you're a minority owned business and I am a minority owned business, fundamentally, if you're a minority owned business and you're doing the same thing that they're doing, you're trying to force stuff against people's will instead of embracing people's individualities, embracing true diversity, I will say, and I'm not apologetic, you are part of the problem because what you should be doing is focusing on the needs. What is the actual business problem you need solved? If somebody comes along and they can solve your business problem, that's all that matters. Everything else should be negotiable and you work with that person and you treat them like an adult because here's the thing, from you to me, 
we people that look like me have ancestors who at one point were forced to do things against their will. And it took a long time before we broke that at least somewhat. And now people that are doing these tedious, pointless type steps and tasks that are just causing this disruption, you're steering us back into the world where now we might as well be the same slaves that our ancestors were. And I question why you're okay with that. I question why that's tolerable. And no, it's not about what you were taught and human resource management is the best practice, quote unquote, because you know that you don't have to follow those rules. You can choose to do things on your own and you can say, this is the stance I'm going to take for my business because I support that freedom. It doesn't matter who you're hiring. It doesn't matter where they live. It doesn't matter what skin they are. You should resonate with the truth. Your ancestors were forced to do things beyond their will and that was not the right answer. So why do you support forcing people to do certain things beyond their will where there's no obligation to do so? Why are you just simply following the wagon? Why aren't you leading? Lead by example, by saying, I'm gonna focus on the work I need done. The moment somebody comes in that says they can solve my problem, I wanna talk to them like an adult. We're gonna negotiate terms. If it sounds good and the price sounds good, we're going to get them to work, get this thing done, because that's, folks, how we, as a community, if we are a community, help each other grow. If we don't help each other grow, and I go back to Mr. Mark Smith, we're not going to be able to rebuild and reestablish generational wealth for those that come after us, because we're already setting the bad precedent today. We're already blockading people today. We're wasting time today. We are being the opposite of what we should be. We talk about being inclusive, but then we are purposely blocking people that don't want to follow our slavery regulations. That's how I feel about it. And I'm a one person. People may disagree with me and that's perfectly okay. I respect people that disagree as long as they respectfully disagree. I'm saying I see a pattern and it's a troubling pattern and I like the pattern to break. All I'm saying is that as an employer or a somebody working with a consultant, to me, we need to focus on the work. Stop trying to force things around beyond somebody's will around nonsense that has nothing to do with the work. So when we talk about things like dress code, dress code, if you're sitting in a back office or you're nowhere in any sight of a customer, what does it matter if the person wears a tie or not? I'm talking petty stuff like that. It doesn't matter. You've got somebody sitting in a high office who just likes ties. And so you force them against their will for what it has nothing to do with the work. If they're not in front of a customer, even if they are in front of a customer, the tie doesn't change the business relationship. Is there some psychological effect of it? Maybe let that person decide that for their own wardrobe. You simply say you better show up professional. You better convince your customer to buy from you. If you don't, if they don't buy from you, we're, we need to change something, but you leave it to them. They're adults. Allegedly, if you have somebody who doesn't want to come in your office and sit in an open floor plan with a bunch of other people coughing and sneezing, allow them to work from home. As long as the work doesn't require you being in an office, regardless of whether your project manager likes to have bodies in the room. Again, you're forcing things that you don't need. You're treating them like slaves. And I question why you do that. And for everybody else, the reason that I'm having such a challenge trying to find a state to go to, or at least be confident that I can go there, I need to make sure that wherever I go, 
is in accordance with the values and the principles and the morals that I have, which means that we treat them like adults. We treat them like Americans. And I'm not jaded to think that they're going to be, you know, colorblind because that's, that's a myth. There's no such thing as colorblind. We see each other. However, they should recognize and respect me based on the skills, based on my presence, based on my communication, based on the delivery of a result. You give me the problem, I'm going to kick it out of the park every single time. Question is, can I get you to give me the real problem or are you putting stupid problems in front of my face that I don't care about and I know you don't care about because you're trying to blockade me from what I'm trying to do to try to help you out. So that's what I got for you today. And again, I will be back on Monday, hopefully our guest that's recording hopefully tomorrow morning and more stories to be coming. Hopefully that will happen Monday when I return. I am going to spin back and work more on this website that's taking hours, but it's good work. It's just, it takes hours and all the other stuff that's happening. Once I get an update as far as which state I'm going to go, I promise everybody will hear that message. I will tell you where I'll be going. I won't necessarily be able to tell you when because there's stuff in the air, but it's coming. It is something that is on deck. Once again, should not affect the podcast recording because I have a pretty good system now and even the uh, the new, the anchor.fm has ways to record even if I'm not near my computer. So I'm more confident now than ever before in the ability to continue delivering the content that I'm doing and to continue introducing the guests that we're working on and continue the cadence with Mondays and Wednesdays for the show as we grow together. And hopefully you enjoy the stories that I share. I have a lot of them. I'm holding back the vast majority of them because of what's going on right now, but I have a lot more stories yet to tell. I will check in with you guys next week uh, after I get this guest hopefully recorded. I will check in and I have some more exciting news that'll be coming once I wrap up what I'm doing here today. And I'm going to be having some updates come through Substack. That's going to be a new subscription thing that I'm working on. I'll let you know what that's going to look like once I have it finished. It's an exciting thing. I promise you're going to enjoy what's coming. I'm committed to doing what I'm doing. I love doing the podcast. I love sharing the stories. I love talking to guests. So please don't take that I'm trying to move away from it because that's the last thing I'm trying to do because I enjoy telling the stories and I enjoy putting it out there as well as documenting the journey, documenting what I've been going through. When I get the Substack, it's probably Substack set up you're going to be able to get more information about the stuff that I'm doing, including photos, possibly videos. There's more coming yet in the future. Casualtalkradio.net is the site. I would appreciate if you share to others that may see the story, hear the stories and be uh, intrigued by what's going on there. And any comments, questions, feedback, suggestions, you'll be able to submit the form there. Share that to me. I read each and every one of them. Take care and I will check in with you guys next week.